Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Second Kings chapter number four today. Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll start reading somewhere around somewhere around verse number eight today. Second Kings four. Amen. Starting somewhere around verse number eight this morning. <clears throat> the Bible says this, starting with verse eight. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said unto Gehazi his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto, and, and he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among thine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door, and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. Verse number 13, if I could read one more time in your hearing. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us. With all this care, what is to be done for thee? Amen. For a little while this morning, I'd like to entitle this today. Uh, this is probably if my kids, as they grow up, they'll understand this is one of those phrases that dad always says to them. And so I say it today for this subject title. Be careful. And if I can emphasize, be careful. All right. Be careful. Amen. Let's pray today. Will you ask God to help us? We need help here today. Lord, God, we come to you today. And we're needing, Lord Jesus, your presence. We're needing your spirit, God, in this place. I pray, oh, Lord, we're grateful, Lord, for every song. And we're grateful, Lord, for the singing. But, God, we have come now to the ministry of your word. God, and through, Lord, your word, Paul said he was begotten by the gospel. I pray, O oh Lord, today it is through the proclamation of your word. God, the people's souls can be saved. God, that lives can be altered and lives can be changed. And I pray, O oh Lord, put a fresh touch upon our minds here this morning. And let there be a connection in the realm of the Spirit, God, that we could, Lord, just derive from heaven, God, what you would have. God, for your people this morning. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. God, for everything, God, that you accomplished, Jesus, because this is yours. This building, this church, this people, God, this service, the ministry of this word, it all belongs to you today, Lord. God, and we keep it there safe in your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. You may be seated. It is a common terminology or phrase that I use with my kids. And uh, it's more than me just trying to be a protective father uh, by any means. Uh, but a lot of times whenever they endeavor to do something, I state those words with really this in mind. And that is I want them to be sensitive 
to their surroundings. That's basically really what I'm trying to convey to them. I want, I want them to be aware uh, about what is going on around them, to be sensitive, cautious, uh, if you will, and just kind of tap into what's going on. You know, it is, whenever you talk about uh, someone getting involved in an uh, accident or something along those lines, it isn't so much sometimes because they did something uh, uh, inappropriate or ignorant themselves, but because of their environment. The things around them was just conducive for an accident. So whenever I say be careful, I want them to be sensitive. I want them to be cautious concerning their environment. Uh, who is around them? What? is around them and take notice of those things and I believe in scripture that Elisha had fell into the hands of a lady that has been careful she has been careful she was sensitive to her surroundings she was tapped in if you will to her environment she just did not live life and just go about her business about whatever concerned her but she was tapped in to even people that was in the setting around about her. And the Bible says she had so much care and so much diligence uh, concerning being sensitive to those who were around her. She was sensitive to the man of God. She was sensitive to Elisha. Elisha, in his day and hour, just as we've come through a long study of Elijah, these are men and these are people that God spoke through. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament times, we see God many times speaking through the prophet, speaking through a seer, speaking through a judge or a deliverer. God, many times, a priest, if you will, he would talk to his people. Many times when God spoke in the Old Testament, he spoke by virtue of through a man that he has set aside for a particular purpose. So in so much that during that era of time, the way in which people heard the voice of the Lord and the word of the Lord was by giving ear to the prophet, giving ear to the priest, giving ear to the seer. Most times when people wanted to hear something from the Lord, uh, it was not yet at that place where they went and, and spoke in the presence of God themselves, but they had some type of mediator that went in there and spoke for them. And so here was Elisha. He was, if you will, virtually the voice of God for this Shunem woman's life. She, he was the word of God for her life. God many times did not move independent of that man that he had in place. So in essence to accept the prophet was to accept the God of the prophet. And to accept the priest was to accept the God of the priest. And to refuse any of these was then to refuse the same, was to refuse the Lord. If you wasn't going to accept the prophet's word, you've denied the word of the Lord. Yeah. If you was not going to accept the priest's word, you were to deny the word of the priest. So whenever this lady was careful about her surroundings concerning the man of God, Elisha, we understand in Scripture that he went on a journey, the Bible says. The prophet, the man of God, goes on a journey. He's passing by, entering into Shunem, the Scripture says. Nothing indicates to us uh, that this lady knew that he was coming. Nothing indicates to us that she knew this man was about ready to pass through Shunem. There were no prior, if you will, uh, uh, things set in order that, yeah, you're going to come to my house. Nothing like that was, was in place. But he was just passing by or to Shunem. And the Bible says here is a lady that's sensitive to her environment. A lady that is sensitive to her, 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 her surroundings and she is, if you will, careful. She's full of care. She's diligent to pay attention on what's going on around her. And as he is in the city of Shunem, the Bible says that he did not ask her, may I come to your house? He did not ask her, could I come in and eat of your bread and eat of the food of your table? He was not trying to knock on the door or somehow find a place for himself. But the Bible says that this woman was so full of care and sensitive to her environment that she seen this man. And the Bible says that she constrained him that he would come into her house. He, he, he wasn't going to her door and trying to into there and somehow mess up her arrangement or her day and, and, and force himself upon her or her household. But she was so sensitive to her environment and surroundings that she was beckoning unto him. Why don't you come in here and stay a little bit and why don't you allow me some time to feed you and nourish you? 
She was sensitive to her environment, sensitive to her surroundings. And for her to allow or even beckon and constrain the man of God, the prophet of God in her house, in essence, she was constraining God in her house. Whenever she beckoned for that man to come to her abode, it was more than just the man that was coming to her abode. It was the God of the man that was coming to her abode. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm preaching to us today as a body of believers that we could come to a place that we would be careful. There would be we so sensitive to our environment inside the church and outside the church. In our workplace and where we get groceries. That if God is in the vicinity and within the area that he's not going to look to try to barge into our life or barge into our services or barge into a, a, a conversation that we're having with a co-worker but he is there passing by and as soon as he hears the beckoning of one of his people and say why don't you come in here why don't you allow me to constrain you and keep you and nourish you and feed you can someone say amen I believe we need to be careful as a church. We need to be sensitive. We need to be plugged in, if you will. Amen. And understand whenever God, amen, is passing by, amen, that we need to somehow constrain him, amen, and feed him and nurse him. There is a new Old Testament scripture in Psalms 50 that God, in speaking through the psalm, he's speaking of sacrifices and offerings and how all these things are his. Yet he says a very, very sad phrase in Psalms 50. He says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. He says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I wouldn't barge in on you. I wouldn't say, hey, listen, here, I'm hungry. He says, but here's where it's at. I wouldn't tell you if I was hungry, but I'd like for you to get to a realm and a place of sensitivity that you can understand. There's a God that's hungry for some worship. There's a God that's hungry for some prayer. There's God that's hungry for a relationship. I wouldn't tell you if I was hungry, but I would be just right down happy if you would beckon me and constrain me and nourish me and feed me without me having to tell you I'm a hungry God that's desirous of my people and activity with my people. Amen. Could you imagine having to live in a relationship with your wife's brother Terry? I know you're gone a lot so maybe you're the bad example. But if you were not, lived around perhaps where you could eat breakfast before you left, come back for lunch from the office, whatever you want to call it, and be there at supper time, wouldn't it be a horrible thing to have to come in and remind her, hey, it's breakfast, I'm hungry. Dinner time, table's got all the garnishings of the decor that it normally has, but no food. I'm hungry. Oh, okay, well, I'll make some. You know, after a while, if I had to show up every day around mealtime, around my wife and tell her I was hungry and then she start making something, you know what? I would lose a little confidence. You know what I like? Whenever I walk into the house and I smell the aroma of the nourishment already on the table. I like it sometimes when I'm doing yard work and she says, honey, come again and it's time to eat. I believe there's a God in heaven today that whenever he shows up in the house or around about the house, it would do him well if he could smell the aroma of already what we've been cooking up for the visitation of the master that someone could holler, hey God, come on down, enter the house, enter the sanctuary. We have prepared something for you. Someone that's careful, full of care, sensitive to their environment will do that for their God. She constrained him. She fed him. She nourished him. She took care of him. He didn't ask to come, but he was invited by her. 
I would dare to say on more occurrences than most. You know, we say sometimes, well, the Spirit of the Lord just really came into this house. I don't know if it's so much of him just busting down the door and coming in as it is as much as someone starts saying, come on in, Jesus. Because Revelation Scripture tells me that he's a gentleman that he'll stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear his voice, then will I come in and sup with you and you with me. But honey, we take the episode of the door and the knocking out altogether when we're opening the door and saying, Jesus, I can sense you around here somewhere. Why don't you come on in and eat a little while? Look at this. So he goes to Shunem. Has no intent necessarily of going to her house, but because of her beckoning, her constraining him, he's there at her house, and she is feeding him with bread. Now look at verse number eight now. I want you to see this. And the Bible says, and so it was, that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat. In other words, Sister Craig, from there on out, anytime he was coming to Shunem, anytime he was passing by, he would automatically turn in to her abode for nourishment because he knew her place could be a place dependent upon for being cared for. Honey, if he comes passing by Mount Carmel, I want him always to feel at home that he can pass through these doors because that's a people that nourish me, that are sensitive to me, that's aware of my presence and I can always depend upon them for being cared for and paid attention to and praise and worship and adoration and exaltation being given to. I like going places where I'm cared for. I'll take it to the church house, to the house, God. Hey, if no one else, I want you to be able to come into my personal home. Knowing that I can set aside my weekday toys to stop and have communion with the master. Because let me tell you, there's been times in my own house, the same spirit and exhilarating power of God that I feel in this building has come down to my house. And I didn't pass it off as bad bologna or the pizza I ate the night before. You know what I said? The master's around here. I got to be careful. I got to be sensitive. Come on in, Lord. Come on in, Lord. We'll shut everything else down here for a little bit. And we'll have a little talk with Jesus right here. I want to feed you. I want to nourish you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I tell you why, uh, hallelujah, three hour, the three-hour clock sounds in that bishop's house all the time because he knows at three o'clock he can go to his house and be nursed. That's exactly why. You say, well, my Lord, I don't know why this has happened to me. I tell you why. Because you get up, you start the pots and pans in a spiritual way. There's something, oh, there's something brewing over there on the fire. He says, I know with confidence I can go there and be made the object of attention. <laughs> so as often as he went to Shunem, he would go absolutely then to the house of this great woman because she fed him the first time and beckoned him to come without him having to ask to come. Look at this. When she was aware to the place that he didn't have to be asked for an invitation, but she invited him from there on out, he just showed up. Did you catch what I said? After the original invitation of him not even asking. You know, some people, you know, they kind of beat around the bush a little bit. Especially kids. They do it to, you know, uncles and aunts. You know, it's been a long time since I stayed at your house. <laughs> what are they doing? They're trying to get an invitation. But they're really asking themselves, 
You know, it's been a long time. I'm not talking about that type of scenario here with the first visit of the shooting woman. The Lord wasn't just kind of hanging around saying, you know, I'm kind of hungry. And Elisha wasn't doing that. No, she said, there he is. I'm going to invite him in. I'm going to invite him in. And said, after that point in time, from there on out, she never beckoned. But there was just some type of known relationship that we had. I knew I could always stop. Ever since that first time, I knew I could. Because the spirit of that lady was, hey, you come on in without me even asking. And that spirit, every time I go, then I know I can go on. Honey, where we get into a relationship with God when we say, hey, you don't have to ask to come down. We don't, you don't have to ask to interrupt this service or our program or our life or our church life or our home life. Or our, you, we, you don't have to ask to do any of that. Anytime you want to show up, honey, you go and show up. But we're not going to put you in the corner and go on with our normal activity. Ask business as usual. We're going to give some attention to the master. I got a hanky in that right pocket if you don't mind. <laughs> so she constrained him. Look at it now. In verse 9. She sorry. Man, she's so careful and so sensitive. Her perception is so keenly aware of her environment. She is so careful that she said to her husband, you know what? Verse 9. And I'm starting to think that maybe this man's a holy man. This guy we've been feeding, providing nourishment for and caring for. I believe this is a holy man that passes by us continually. And honey, I've been thinking and I've been looking at the budget. And we're going to put your new chariot on hold because I'm feeling like maybe we need to build a little chamber on the side of the house I mean uh, you know on Saturday when we go get groceries we're going to have to start getting a little bit more because he's starting to make it a regular basis on stopping by here And she said, oh, someone say, Lord, honey, I think maybe we need to make a little chamber on the side of the house, if you will. Amen. This lady was so careful, so sensitive to what was going on around her and her environment. She said, you know what, honey, I think we need to do more than just nourish him. We need to do more than just provide a meal for him. But we need to provide a place for him in our home. It's more than just beans and cornbread on Monday. We need to somehow provide a place for him in our house. Nourishing him and providing for his journey from here to there, that's great. But I wouldn't mind if he would just stay for a couple of days. Man, I want to provide a place. She provided a place for Elisha. The man of God, in essence, was supplying a place for God. I think it would be great in our churches, ladies and gentlemen, because we have moments in time we nourish the master. We feed him a meal. It is exhilarating. But sometimes the common flow of the church is up, down, up, down, good, bad. Up, it is so volatile. It's great one moment you can come in on a Sunday morning and kick your heels and come in on a Sunday night and try to find your bootstraps. It can be so, so different. Why so? Why so? Because we're just providing a meal here and there. And what I need to do in the realm of the Spirit at First Apostolic Church is build on a little chamber, build on a little room. I want to provide more than a meal for him. I want to provide a place for him in this house. Yeah. I don't know if it's been poor planning on my part. You know. Because I know he's passing by continually. And I go get four potatoes from the section there in the grocery store rather than grabbing the bag. You understand what I'm saying? And the four will suffice for the meal, but it won't do for a continuous stay. And sometimes we come in here on Sunday night, and honey, man, we got the meal, the garnishings, everything. I mean, the parsley's on the plate, hallelujah. The aroma's in this place. Come back on a Wednesday. My God, what's going on? 
Someone even kind of cast their shoulder. Go back out and look at the sign. Did I walk in the same building? What happened? Well, somebody had, had, had made enough preparation to provide a meal, but they not provided a place yet. But she says, honey, I perceive that, man, this is a holy man of God. We're not just entertaining any old man here. This is not just someone else walking in shoe leather here. This this is a holy man. Let me tell you, folks, this is just not any spirit that you're feeling around here. Mm, this is just not any old presence that you walk in any timber or carpet and all that and feel the pre- no 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 this is something a little peculiar this this is something a little extraordinary this is something a little special she said, we, we need to make a place for this <laughs> it's in your mother-in-law this is a holy man of God I'm kind of people joke about having the mother-in-law basements but anyway um <sighs> She's in Tennessee. She'll probably never even hear this. <laughs> Unless my wife has something to do with it. This wasn't just a man. Holy man of God. Now look at this. I want to talk to us a little bit. Because we will go to great lengths to accommodate various things and items in our life. We'll go to great lengths to accommodate various items in our life. But the faith, the things of God should be no less cared for, accommodated for than those things. People will cut back on and eliminate their mocha money. They're eating out after church money. In order to save for that new bedroom suit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or in order to make it on vacation in the summer. Make whatever arrangements necessary to accommodate that. Things of the master should be no different. We'll make a place. Listen, I, I'm telling you, it doesn't happen all the time, but a lot of times... You find somebody to get a new priced boat, it won't be long you'll see a building for the boat if he hadn't had it before he got the boat. Why? He's making accommodations for that which he deems important in his life. I mean, if they have a means, I've seen people have one car garage, but they get that second vehicle that's prize worthy. They're adding on. They'll do it whenever they feel like they're running out of room as a family. Amen. They'll, they'll do it, but whenever we begin to consider in the spiritual sense that maybe God might need a chamber. He needs a place. He needs accommodation. Scripture of Romans 13, 14 told us plainly that we were to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, listen here. Do not make provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't make any provision for that. If you make provision for anything, make provision for the master. Look at this now. She goes though beyond just providing a chamber. And the Bible says in verse 10, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. But look, she didn't stop there. She says, let us set for him there a bed. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> sure. We want him to stay here. In other words, not only that, let, let's, make, let's make for him a bed. We want him to get comfortable here. You know, him setting up right at the table, that's great. But honey, wouldn't it be great if he could just shut his eyes in a repose and just lay here in comfort? Man, I like when God gets comfortable in his own house. 
that he wants to stay there for a little while. She says, we'll put a little candlestick there and a little table and a, a little stool. What's she doing? She's being careful. She's being sensitive. She's being aware of her environment and the needs of the one that she is caring for. Amen. She said, hey, we're going we're gonna to do all these little things because a prolonged period of time of him staying around here, honey, would not hurt my feelings one bit. Matter of fact, I'm doing this with intentions of him staying around the next time he comes through. Someone say glory. Let me tell you something, folks. Nothing is lost. Nothing is lost. In the diligence and the care and the preservation that you make for God. Nothing's lost. Nothing's lost. In the preservation that you make for God. read here lately we got some things to care for even beyond God his doctrine his word there's a lot of things in scripture that he has entrusted to us that is under our care that he's going to exact of us and ask back at the, day, the, the, the coming of the Lord he's going to see how careful we have been with that he has put into our care read a story just here lately there's a man it's just happened just real lately in the state of Maine the state of Maine, there was a man by the name of Frank Knight. Frank Knight was a logger in the 50s. He was uh, over forestry and such. And there in the state of Maine, they had several, several elm trees, a good population of elm trees. And uh, come about that during this time that there was a bad uh, Dutch elm disease that started to pervade all across the state of Maine. And it was taking out the elms by numerous, numerous measures. And uh, they were just falling left and right. And Frank Knight was just just so overwhelmed by this and he knew he was just one man and there was no way that he could care for all the population of elm trees in the state of Maine <clears throat> so he focused his attention on one elm it was a very stately elm it had a very large canopy uh, the final year and whenever that elm tree would die it was a hundred and uh, 110 feet tall it had a very big canopy it was 217 years old whenever it would die and Frank made it his responsibility to look after that elm and he cared for that. He, he, it was his little candy stick, so to speak. He, he cared for it. He watched over it. In so much that it was, a, it was a famed almost legend right there in their community. Anybody that came there, go see the elm. You're not going to believe this thing. It's so tall. It has a, such a large canopy. I, I know you don't see any other elms around it because they all died to Dutch elm disease. But Frank, and he, just a legend almost, cared so diligently for this, this elm tree. And he had a little nickname for it, just kind of an affectionate way. He called it Herbie. So there was a little Herbie out there. Not little, actually. I mean, 110 feet tall is not little Herbie, but there's Herbie out there, 217 years old, whenever it finally dies, and Frank had, had cared for it. A lot of Dutch elm disease had passed through that area, but he made sure there was people and stuff, knowledgeable people that he instructed and trained what to do. This tree, over five decades, had succumbed to about 14 or so different, different Dutch elm diseases in its lifetime, but none of them ever killed it because Frank made sure that he was going to protect that. He was going to care for that. He was going to preserve that. And so it made it through all these different bouts of 14 rounds of Dutch elm disease. And around 103 years old, Frank Knight, the man who cared for this diligently, he died and he passed away. With only two years prior to his death, amen, that, that, that elm tree had died, if you want to call it. And they cut it down, that tree that he had preserved for a good portion of his life. And unbeknownst to him, his family had taken the trunk, a part of the trunk of that elm tree and set it aside. Unbeknownst to Frank, they took part of Herbie and laid it aside. They allowed it to be handcrafted into a wooden coffin. And at 103, whenever Frank died, they put Frank inside of Herbie and put it in the ground. And the reporter said this, he said, it was just amazing. He said, Frank had cared for and taken care and warded off disease from Herbie for all those years and preserved it. But now Herbie is going to preserve Frank. I'm here to tell the church family today that you are not wasting any time in nourishing the spirit of the master. That you're not wasting any time 
in building on a place or a room and supplying a lampstand and supplying a bed and doing all these measures and things because the things that we uphold and the things that we give diligent attention to in the church and in our lives right now, someday, ladies and gentlemen, they're going to turn the tables on you and the thing that you are preserving, the thing that you are standing for, the thing that you are watching over with a diligent eye in your life right now, it's going to watch over you. It's going to keep you it's going to ward off some things from your life if you take care of it now it's going to take care of you in your future so yes sister Craig on this Sunday morning coming in after being sick she's going to raise hands she's going to give testimony to God why she's preserving something that's going to preserve her she's being sensitive to something that's going to be sensitive to her someone say yes I tell you what, we got much to preserve. Man, it's not just the Spirit of God. We got doctrines and dogmas to preserve. Amen. And keep in safekeeping. I don't want any disease coming in and getting a hold of that and deteriorating what it is. Amen. Deteriorating what it is and compromising what it is. I want it to be stately. I want it to be firm. I want it to grow. Amen. I want it to be known that this is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. These things that we teach and preach are not just another doctrine or another dogma. They're just not another man if you will passing by these are if you will the truths and the God himself it's his word it's him manifest in the flesh it's those things that we're preserving and caring for that will preserve you and your children your grandchildren I perceive this is just something more than just a man passing by Luke 24 Luke 24 the Bible tells of the time in scripture Jesus has been taken to a tree he's been crucified he's resurrected there are two disciples on the road of Emmaus that are walking as they are talking with each other and speaking about some of the things which have happened. The Bible says there's a third party that comes to them, begins to reason with them, and it was no one less than Jesus Christ himself that draw near and went with them. And he, being privy to their conversation, began to uh, unwind some of the things in which they were talking about and even did not truly understand about the death and the burial and the crucifix of himself, yet they did not know this to be him. They were entertaining something at that time they did not know to be him. And yet the Bible says they came to a certain place in verse number 29. In the Bible in verse 28, actually they drew nigh into the village whether they went and he made Jesus as though he would have gone further but in verse 29, can you imagine? Because the Bible says that as he talked to them and spoke to them, man, they even knew that there was almost like a fire that burned in their heart. What was happening? A recognition. This just isn't another traveler on the road to Emmaus. In so much, Sister Craig, he doesn't ask if he could stay. He acts as though, as though he's just going to go on and pass on by and would have gone further, the Bible says. But you know what their plea is? Man, we got to be entertaining. I don't know who or what this is. It says they constrained him. They constrained him, saying, Abide with us for evening. And we see a little later in verse number 30 that they're breaking bread. What are they doing? They're nourishing him. Why? Because in their life they had learned to be careful, sensitive to their environment, sensitive to what was going on around them. He didn't, he didn't ask if he could come in, but we're saying we want you to come on in. Come in and abide with us. And before it was all open, over their, their eyes were open to who he was. Amen. The power of the Spirit. They had entertained, if you will, they had entertained the resurrected Christ. They had nourished the resurrected Christ. And the thing that they nourish now 
he is the resurrection and life would nourish them later would care for them later because they were careful about this matter can someone say amen David in all his fighting and all his warring the Bible says he had a heart was in his heart to build a place for God he even told the Lord in the Psalms he said I will not rest I will not go up to my own bed and give sleep or slumber to my eyes until you got a house, God. I'm not going to do any of these things. So I made it my focus. I've made it my motive to make sure you cared for. It's in his heart to do so. We understand he wasn't able to do that. But the Lord admonished him in the Old Testament Scripture. He said, David, you have done well. But that was in your heart. And he said in so many words, because... You had it in your heart to care for me. Because you had it in your heart to be careful and sensitive concerning me. He said, David, I'm going to build you a house. You said it was in your heart to be careful and mindful of me that you was going to build me one. He says, hey, David, I'm going to build you a house because you were sensitive to my needs. So I'm going to be sensitive to your needs. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Whenever she brought Elisha in the house, she got everything Elisha represented. She got the miraculous power for a dead person to be raised whenever she had him come in her house. She had the miraculous power of giving life where there was no life whenever she brought him into her house. Because in that little chamber that she made provision for the man of God or God himself, if you will, in essence, it would be in that same chamber then that spoken through Elisha, through Gehazi, that he would tell this lady that could have no child and her husband's own, according to the time of life, you should have a son. Yeah, yeah. And only for time to go on and that son to grow older and die. That she would take that same boy and she wasn't putting him in her and dad's room or putting him in the living room or laying him on the kitchen table. I'm going to go put him up on the prophet's bed in that chamber I made for him a long time ago. I'm going to go put him in the prophet's chamber. That provision and care that I made for the prophet, I'm going to put him in there. And it would be that place that that same prophet would come to. Honey, he didn't feel a little bit beside himself or out of character walking into that room. He'd been in that room more times than he could count because he was always provided for. He went back to the same room he was already provided for and instead of being provided for this time, he was given provision of life. Let me tell you what the church house becomes. It becomes a place where we provide for the Lord. But rest assured, if we daily and continually, every time we come here, cause nourishment and a place to be here for God, there'll be other times he'll walk into this chamber and rather than being provided for, he's going to be doing some providing, some blessing, some healing, some miracle working. Because he had a people that was careful. You know what's so great about this scenario? Because the lady goes about 20 miles to wherever Elisha was to have him again come to her house. But he wasn't put out by that, Brother Mike Trout, because he knew that he wasn't only invited to her house when she was in need of something. There wasn't a stigma over her life. Yeah, the only time she wants me to come is when she needs something or wants something. He's saying the relationship that I have with her, usually anytime she's inviting me and saying, come on, there's a spread on the table. There's fresh sheets on the bed. There's a light glowing over on the candlestick. She's pledged the stool. She's wiped off the table. 
She's pulled the shades in the chamber. Woo! And he could comfortably walk in the room that day and say, hey, there's no food on the hood. Oh, that's all right. What we got here in the room, what we got here in this place that she cared for me, she's got a problem. She's got a need. That's all right. I normally come when she's providing for me, but today I'm going to come and provide for her. Honey, I want to be known as the church that makes provision for God, as the church that makes a room for God, the church that makes a will, amen, a meal, if you will, for God. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if we live our life with that type of attitude, needs will arise, death will arise, sickness will arise. But at those moments in time, the master isn't going to care, amen, to come into our house and provide for the need because we call upon him more times when we want to provide for him rather than when we want him to provide for us. I'm closing today. If you'll stand with me. From that chamber of care that was given to him, he gave that lady life in her womb and gave life back to her again. Through the resurrecting of that boy. What we do here, what we do here, folks, matters. What we do here at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning matters. What we do here tonight at 6 p.m. and prior to matters. Wednesday night. Wednesday night Bible study. Bless God. Let's look at a character, our topic, our Bible book. What we do here. It matters. Moses' mother says in his Exodus 2 or 3, whenever Moses was born, everybody's supposed to be slaughtered and killed. Midwife's supposed to take care of him, throw him in the river. The Bible says she's seen him as a goodly child. What is it? This is more than just a boy being born. The Bible says she hid him for three months. She made that ark of bulrushes and pitched it within and without and set it in the river and Pharaoh's daughter found it and Pharaoh's daughter needed someone to nurse it and so and so forth that went and got very own mother his sister did went and got their very own mother and she fed that baby at her breast Jacobed fed that boy <laughs> she protected that boy she cared for that boy she made provision for that boy and while she hid him she was safeguarding her own deliverance. As she fed him at her breast, she was feeding her deliverance at her. As she made provision for Moses and everybody else was being slaughtered, she was making provision for her own deliverance. So ladies and gentlemen, do not think for a moment you're being cheated in this exchange. I'm always preparing for him and cooking for him and making sure the room's clean for him and giving him adoration and glory. I'm always, always doing, doing. Honey, there's gonna come a day in your life that you're not gonna be inviting him in for a meal. You're gonna be inviting him in for a need. But because all the times previous to that, you have fed him you have nursed him he's going to become your mama amen and he's going to nourish you I know we don't do things to get things that's not the principle in scripture but there's just a law there there's just a law of sowing and reaping not that I'm doing something to get some there's just an unrefutable law there of sowing and reaping that whenever I sow I reap if I sow preservation and provision, I'll reap. And if I do it plentifully, I'll reap plentifully. If I do it sparingly, I'll do it sparingly. So there's just a law there. Can you understand that some of the times that we provide for the Lord through our worship and praise in the service, in essence, 
we might be providing for a healing for a sickness that's not even come up on our body yet. We might be providing for money toward a bill that's not even crept up in our life yet. I praise him for what he's done and I worship him for who he is but sometimes I just get in here and feed him and nourish him there's no there's no strings attached God I'm just doing this but little do I understand I'm putting something back if you will in the chamber for the moment in time that there's a miracle needed in my life that there oh God So as you say glory, hallelujah, and thank you, Jesus, and as you worship through the songs, and as you pray before service, and as you engage through the preaching of the word, ladies and gentlemen, you could be providing some keys in the realm of the spirit for some of your very own needs that's still ahead of you down the road that's not even crept up yet because you were careful and sensitive to the needs of your God. Be sensitive to the needs of him. And when the hour comes, I guarantee you, He'll have no problem or difficulty being sensitive to your needs. Hallelujah. And I hope someday they can say it at my eulogy, Brother Fred. As I lay there and life is gone from my body. I hope they can say like they did of good old Frank Knight in Maine. He took so good care. Look at Paul. Look at Paul McGee. He took so good care of God. He did so much for the Lord. Let that preacher say, but now the Lord's going to take care of you. He was so mindful to raise a hand. He was so mindful to sing a song. He was so mindful to bend a knee in prayer. That's great. But now that God that he could care of, he's going to take care of him. Let's bow our heads in this place today. Let's bow our heads in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is in this house. Let's be careful. Let's be careful. Let's be mindful right now and sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord because He's here. Hallelujah. I'm asking someone today, go on and beckon the Master in because He's here today. Hallelujah. Go on and beckon the Master in. Don't don't make Him have to ask Himself. Go on and beckon Him into your life. Provide for Him. Nourish Him. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.